I see my job as preparing you for the workforce and your next manager that you have, because this person is graduating in December of 2021, is not going to want to hear about the minutia of your life. Because the truth is, my friend, we all have shit going on in our lives. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we help professionals navigate the emotional and promotional sides of the job search in order to stress less and earn more in their careers. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Please welcome Andrea Koppel to the podcast. Andrea is a career coach, founder of College to Career Academy, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, which I was a guest on recently, you should definitely check it out, and even a former CNN correspondent. She is on a mission to help confused college students get career clarity into their future jobs, and today we talk about professional communications, mental health, managing up, and how much is too much information to share when interviewing for a job. That's all for the intro today, so without further ado, here is my convo with Andrea Koppel. Today's Career Therapy podcast is sponsored by Career Therapy. Go figure. Our Unstuck coaching program provides you with the month-by-month support that you need to successfully navigate your job search. Each month, you will receive two 30-minute one-on-one coaching calls, unlimited Slack and email chats between calls, invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions with other seekers, and access to our eight-part curriculum. With our flexible month-by-month schedule, you also have the ability to cancel at any time with no long-term commitments. If you or someone you know could use a helping hand in your search, head over to careertherapy.com and click the button on the homepage to reserve a free 15-minute consultation with me to see if coaching is right for you. Wishing you all the best. Thank you for tuning in. Now back to the show. I'm just super excited to, you know, talk with you today about your background in media and your background in communications and and just how that translates to the job search, especially with the younger audiences that you work with, right? With college students trying to break in. I think that there's there's a lot going on online right now around authenticity, being yourself, you know, what you really just need to do in your career is be yourself, just be yourself, right? And it's like, yes, and there's also a TMI element there, too much information. And so I'm curious, you know, what have you, what sort of trends have you been seeing in the people that you work with or the, you know, the coaches you've been interacting with? Um, What is, what is happening in the lives of, of people who are trying to break into the job market right now? What I'm about to say is not going to be any great revelation to you, Martin, for sure. But the truth is, the young people who just graduated in 2021 are among the first of the 9-11 generation to come into the workforce. And their lives have literally been bookended by massive tragedy. And 
before you and I started this interview, I was having a conversation with a woman who was a certified grief counselor and an ordained minister. And this subject is hugely important to her because we have a generation which, frankly, instead of being called Gen Z, I think should be called Gen G for grief. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? You know, grief manifests in all different ways. It comes out as anger, as sadness, as frustration, having a short fuse. And I think one of the ways that I'm seeing it manifest in terms of the job search is that many of my clients have a very low threshold for frustration. Mm. And the job search under the best of times is a frustrating process. Endlessly frustrating. (laughs) Endlessly frustrating. And you need to be prepared for lots of disappointment. And I see the rejections. I actually do subscribe to the rejection is redirection. Mm -hmm. But I can also understand that for Gen G, this is just another nail in the coffin. It's like, it is too much. It is too much. And I'll give you a very real example, super recent example. One of my young clients, actually, she and I had just finished our coaching package a few weeks ago, but I'm, all, I'm always in touch with my former clients who haven't yet landed a job. And even after they do, I care about them. And I had an idea for a potential job for her. And it involved somebody else who I've interviewed on my podcast, Time for Coffee. You've been a guest on Time for Coffee. You were incredible. And this woman works for a very large education company. And I saw a tiny window, an opportunity for me to follow up with her. And she is a C-suite executive. She's been with this company for 23 years her voice carries a lot of weight. And I saw a tiny window for me to be able to reach out to her and say, hey, I have a great potential hire for you for X position. Could you flag this to the hiring manager? Now, you and I know those opportunities are golden. Mm-hmm. So I called my client on Monday and I said, hey, here's the opportunity. What do you think about this job? She sounded excited. I said, send me a cover letter by tomorrow, by Tuesday. And I made the same offer to another client, one of my current clients, because I saw opportunities for both of them. And I said, Mm -hmm. send me your cover letter. Well, my first client, crickets. My second client, I got the cover letter from her on Monday night. 
she isn't quite Gen G. She's actually 28 years old. So maybe tail end millennial. Mm -hmm. She got it to me right away. And I did not hear back from my first client, Martin, until Thursday afternoon. So four days after I'd flagged this to her, she texted me late in the afternoon and said, Andrea, I'm so sorry. I've been super busy this week. I've had a bunch going on and I will get you that cover letter tomorrow. And I thought to myself, I could just pay lip service to this and say, sure, no problem, whatever. But I wanted to teach her something. I wanted to make this a learning moment. And I said, I think you blew it. Mm -hmm. I gave you this opportunity. These opportunities don't come around very often. And she shared with me that she had all these other cover letters she needed to write and that she had a, an interview, a job interview that was going to be on Friday. And so she was feeling overwhelmed, but she never communicated this to me, Martin. Right. She never shared with me, Andrea, I've got all this stuff going on. Can I get you the letter on Friday or can I get it? And so I said, I understand, but you need to communicate. So many Gen Gers don't know what professional communication looks like. Mm-hmm. They also have a super low threshold for disappointment and frustration because she then came back to me and was like, whoa, I am feeling completely overwhelmed right now. The fact that you expressed your frustration with me is like making me spiral right now. So I think I answered your question. I hope I did in that. You really did because- There's a low threshold for disappointment and also a lack of professional communication skills. And that's what I want to dig into today is what are professional communication skills and how do you build them? Because there's like, I had horrible anxiety in my early twenties. So when I was that person's age, I probably also would get an email and then like panic and take too long to respond. Sometimes usually what I would do is panic and try to respond and rewrite the email 5,000 times. But what ends up happening is like, that second piece, which I think is really important when the person reaches out and says, no, sorry, not moving you forward because you didn't do what we asked. Then it's like, oh, I'm spiraling now. And that's your fault. And it's like, wait a second. Uh, How is that my fault when you're the one that didn't follow through on the thing? And so in the last podcast I did, um, I had the same thing came up where, you know, a manager was talking about giving one of their employees, some critical feet, some constructive uh, criticism um, on how to be better with their customer service. And the person said, I feel like I'm being yelled at. And he's like, I'm, not, mm. I'm literally not yelling at you. I'm telling you what we can do to improve our customer experience. And they're like, I, I don't like, I don't like how this is being done. And he's like, okay, well, what can I do better to like communicate this? But it's just like, there's this, yeah this oversensitivity that you're talking about, which, and I think it's, it's heightened by every, like everyone says they're busy. Everyone says they're busy, but
But if you actually go look at people's lives, most of the time is spent on social media and on pointless things. It's the same way as when they say like, how much do you drink on a weekly basis? And everyone's like, not that much. And then they do the <laughs> right, study. Exactly. Where they, yeah, they do like, the study. Holy with, shit, it's a gallon. Right, it's a gallon. <laughs> yeah, they, go, they actually did a study. They went through people's trash and counted the bottles. And it's like 4X what people report in surveys. So when someone says like, I'm so busy, I was writing resumes, I was writing cover letters, I was going to interviews. My question back to that is like, 24 hours a day? Like, were you doing nothing? Like when you were getting ready for that interview, did you spend seven hours only focused on that interview? Because that's an inefficient use of time. And so this is where the question comes up because I want to have empathy for folks, but I also want to help them grow, right? So what are the, maybe these are generational differences. Maybe it's always been this way and it's just age groups. I don't know, but what are some of, what is, what, what are the basics of professional communications? Because I think there's a narrative online that everyone needs to be authentic and honest. And I had to have a conversation with someone earlier today about the different types of honesty. Like if someone says, how do I look in this dress? And you say they look like a fat pig, that might be quote unquote honest, but it's not helpful. It's not nice. It's not constructive. It's destructive. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on like, what are the basics of professional communication? Let's just start there. Okay. So let me answer with a very recent example. One of the young people who works with me right now as an intern and they're taking, they're doing this internship for credit, just responded to me that they hadn't been able to do a project that I had assigned them because they had a health issue going on and went into some detail about this health issue and other things that were going on in their life. And I will tell you, Martin, this is a pattern that I have seen among interns. I've had 10 semesters in a row worth of interns. So going back to early 20, or I should say the fall of 2018. So for the last three years, and I get too much information from them. And what I try to do is mentor them. And I shared with this young person, look, as a human being, I care about you, of course. And I am sorry to hear about your health issue. And I am sorry to hear about all these other things. But my job, I see my job as preparing you for the workforce. And your next manager that you have, because this person is graduating in December of 2021, is not going to want to hear about the minutia of your life. Because the truth is, my friend, we all have shit going on in our lives. We all have mishigas is the Yiddish word. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's like basically the crap. That mm -hmm. goes on in your life. Your manager is going to have crap going on in their life. Mm -hmm. 
They want you to get the job done. So professional communications would have been for this young person to get back to me early in the week. I give them assignments, usually on Monday, sometimes on Tuesday, and I tell them when it's due. You should have managed up to me, that is actually a term of art, managed up to me as your supervisor and said, Andrea, I am having some personal issues going on right now. Would it be okay with you if I got X, Y, or Z project back to you over the weekend or next week? And I tell all of the young people who intern with me at the beginning of the internship, most of the time, I want to say 98% of the time, I'm giving you assignments that if you come back to me and say, I've got such and such going on, or I've just gotten another assignment, and I need a little more time, I'm totally good with that. But you need to communicate it to me. What else is professional communications? So often, my friends, you're going to have managers who suck, who don't know how to manage you, who have never been taught best practices in managing you. They're going to give you a bunch of stuff to do. Now, in their mind, they know what they want you to do first, and they know when they want you to get back to them, and maybe tomorrow, but they didn't tell you. And so you've been given four things to work on and you picked the thing that is the least urgent for them without knowing it. So they get back to you the next day and they're like, hey, Andrea, where is such and such? And you're like, um, I haven't started working on it yet. You haven't started working on it yet, but I needed that right away. Guess what? It's your problem. It isn't their problem because they are your supervisor. So your response should have been when they gave you those assignments on the first day, what, in what order do you want me to work on these tasks? And by when do you want them? That is called managing up. You are communicating with your supervisor to help them do their own job, mm -hmm. all right? Oftentimes, they don't communicate. And I've been screwed. So this is a great CYA example. If for some reason you see challenges meeting those deadlines, either at that moment or after you've had a chance to process it, manage up to them and say, you know, I actually think that this project that you want me to get done by Thursday may take me a little bit more time. Could you help me see perhaps how I could do it in a more efficient way? Because this is what I was thinking. Oftentimes, they can help you see ways to maybe expedite it. Maybe what you were thinking, all the research that you were going to be doing, they're like, no, 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 no. Just look at two or three articles. That's all I need you to do. And then summarize that. So communicate and try to break down the projects that they give you 
into more bite-sized pieces and use your manager's experience to help you do your job better. I love it because that's really like, we see so often someone gets assigned something and they put 10 hours into it, doing a bunch of things they didn't need to do. And then the manager's like, that was supposed to be like a 20 minute thing. What is going on? Like I have five other things I need you to get done. And it is this communication thing. And, you know, I, I definitely remember, you know, early on in my career when I was being assigned things I wasn't good at, like analytics. And I was like, oh, man, this is taking me way longer than someone who knows how to do this. It would, you know, would take. And, you know, you, when we turn these things in, like I remember when I would get bad feedback, you know, sometimes it was on me, sometimes it was on the manager, sometimes it was on both, but you're supposed to learn from those things. And if you get that negative feedback, if you get that, like, hey, you didn't get this done and you didn't ask and you didn't manage up, we're supposed to go, okay, how do I not get myself into this situation again? And figure out either change roles or get better at communicating or whatever the thing might be, change companies, get out, get away from that bad manager, who knows? But what I tend to see now, and you sort of alluded to this with the story you told, is that the feedback is given, it's negative, and the response is, that triggered me, or that is now sending me into a spiral. It's not, I need to go grow, it's you're now attacking me. But where do you go from there, right? If everyone is just attacking everyone, where do you go? And this almost feels like Twitter is spilling into real life. So that's such a great point. And what I would say, especially considering the name of this podcast, (laughs) right? Career therapy. My friends, I have been in therapy myself for 13 years. So much of our, what we've lived in our life bleeds over into our work life, into our relationships with other people. I would highly recommend if you can, and maybe your company has some wellness programs. If you're still in school, your school should have some therapy that you would be able to get. Get into therapy. Start unraveling some of your issues. We all have them, how to process different emotions that we're feeling. And don't let that interfere with your professional growth to the best of your ability. When you are especially in those first 10 years of your professional life, see it as a golden opportunity to get Negative feedback. I'm going to use the more PC word, constructive feedback. If your manager is not setting up weekly meetings with you, what is called in some places a one-on-one, an opportunity for you to talk through maybe some issues that are coming up in your workday, some challenges that you're facing in your work life, how to do certain tasks. It's a great opportunity for you to get those constructive, that constructive feedback, some 
work environments only do an end of year sort of assessment. That's not enough. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you can feel blindsided by the fact that your manager wasn't happy with such and such. And as a result, you're not going to get a raise. You're not going to get a merit increase. You're not going to get that promotion. It is to your benefit to go into your work life with what is called a growth mindset. That means every opportunity, whether it's a positive or a negative, is an opportunity for you to learn. Learn. I was fired twice in my professional life. I've got 30 plus years under my belt. The first time I was fired, I had been a journalist for 20 years. I had been a CNN correspondent for 14 years. And the new head of CNN decided I wasn't his cup of tea. And so he didn't renew my contract. Well, it was humiliating. They leaked it to the press. I didn't get to leave with any modicum of self-respect. It was like, eh, Andrea Koppel, you're out. We don't want you anymore. Well, guess what? After I got over my hurt feelings and processed, I finally got into therapy actually then and started unraveling some of my mishigas, I came to realize I had actually been unhappy at CNN the last three years of my, of the time I was there, but I didn't have the courage to leave. I didn't think there was anything else I could do. So that huge embarrassment, that big F that I got there had been a gift because I got to reinvent myself and I moved into another industry, into public relations. And a year and nine months later, I was fired from that. Not because I don't have amazing skill sets, but because I had never learned how to manage exactly what I'm talking about right now. And for the first time in my professional life, I was expected to manage teams. Well, I sucked at it. I absolutely sucked. And they gave me another gift because I didn't particularly love public relations. And I pivoted into yet another industry, which was a better fit. I moved into the nonprofit world and I learned and I grew and I developed and I have picked up positive experiences from all of this stuff. All of it has been amazing. And it Help me become the person that I am today. So if you can start your careers with this mindset and learning that you're going to have curveballs thrown at you, you have seen that with the pandemic, with 9-11, with the ups and downs in our economy and other things that have happened in your own life. If you can take those experiences, grow from them, learn through therapy, how to manage your own anxieties and frustrations and strong emotions and process that, you are going to be crushing it by the time you're Martin's age. <laughs> Absolutely. I 100% agree. And I think that like, that was one of the things that I had to learn was like how to stop 
almost self-sabotaging in some ways, right? Because when I love what you said about therapy, it's like, it helps us get out of our heads and, or communication helps us get out of our heads. And I think it's, it's so, it's not just like, oh, that sounds nice. Like that's a very practical thing. Like literally most of the negativity in your career is in here. It really is. And you might think your boss is the worst person on earth. And I have some bosses that I prefer never to see again, but like me too. (laughs) Right. But it's like, if I really went back and I really looked at it in detail and I wanted to be really brutally honest with myself, there's more I could have done. There's definitely more I could have done. And, and, or I knew that wasn't the right role and I should have been more proactive in getting out of it. Right. Instead of just being like, woe is me. They're forcing me to do this. It's like, are they though? Because you have autonomy in your life. You have feet, you can walk. And I did end up quitting that job and it was like needed. It was necessary as a step I had to take. And these are the things where it's like, quite literally most of the conflict that we have in life is because we are making assumptions or because we are not communicating. And being in a relationship has taught me this the most where it's like, we're angry at each other, but we're, it's like an argument. I'm having an argument (laughs) in my head with an invisible, with a version of you that doesn't exist. And then I go talk to you and you're like, unaware that I've had this argument (laughs) going on. Right. And it's like, Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've been yelling at my boss, but I've never actually set up a one-on-one with them. I've literally for the past six months, just been screaming at them in my head. But have I ever actually sat down and said, what are my expectations in this role? What do you, what do you need to see to make you look good? You know, like literally conversations will eliminate most issues. And if it doesn't, then you can actually make active moves to get out of that situation. Love that, Martin. And the truth is, your boss, with rare exception, wants you to succeed. Remember that they want you to succeed because it's a pain in the ass to go out there and look for someone to replace you and to go through all the interviewing and the vetting and then the the training up. They've made an investment in you. They want you to succeed. But at the same time, when you go into that one-to-one, don't bitch and complain about the shit that's going on in your life outside of work. Mm -hmm. This is a business, okay? They are paying you to produce work because the company or organization has a mission And they have impact that they are trying to create, whether it's sales, whether it's like the nonprofits that I've worked for, where it's helping certain populations, whatever it is. And you need to act like a professional. That doesn't mean to say your feelings aren't going to get hurt and it isn't going to be unpleasant to hear that you're not performing where you need to be performing, but they are actually on your side. Ask for their advice, ask for their help. Say, I'm really struggling with this. I don't understand 
how to do it. Is there someone else on the team, maybe, that you think is doing a really good job at this, who I could learn from? The key there is Are who there, I can learn from, not who, who I can, can do learn it. from. Yeah, I, correct. Yeah, this is a struggle for me. Is anyone? Can someone else do this? Like, versus, can I go talk to the person who does this well and learn from them? And that's so huge because I do think that th- I, I like how you're setting this up because, like, they want you to win. They're on your side, but they're also paying you, so they need results, right? Like, they can't let the entire mission of the company go by the wayside because you're having a bad day, right? But they can account for your bad days in the in the overall impact if it's like manageable. So you have to help them manage. And that's the difference between showing up with a problem and showing up with a potential solution to your problem, right? And so- Oh yeah, that's huge actually, yeah, Mark. dig in. That is huge because I'm so glad you raised that. A lot of us are great at complaining mm. and pointing out what isn't working. Not as many of us excel at finding the fix, the solution. So do not constantly go to your manager. I would like to say ever, but, you know, see if you, maybe in the beginning, it's tough in your first job, but try to go to your manager and flag the problem and flag a suggested solution. You will earn so many brownie points for having come with the solution. And even more, if you say, and I'd be happy to do it. Yeah, a client of mine just asked, like, they said during the interview, pro- and this is also another thing with, a, we have a much larger focus on mental health in the world right now, which I think is wonderful. Um, it's also like creating an environment where people are much more comfortable talking about it too, right? And so, you know, growing up, I have horrible anxiety and my family was like, never, ever mention that. Never mention your anxiety to anyone mm-hmm. in the world ever, right? And, you know, fair enough in the world that they grew up in, right? But we grew up in a world where we're encouraging people to go to therapy on podcasts, right? So at a certain point, people are going to say, okay, well, how do I tell my boss about my mental health issues, Right. And the question then becomes time and place and context and and all of these professional sk- communication skills, right? I had someone who said, um, I have ADHD. How do I tell them that in the interview? And I go, mm. you don't. Don't. You don't. <laughs> exactly. Like you maybe don't. 10 years from now, if it's like, to- like but again, it's, is it, it's about relevancy. Like I don't tell anyone that I have insomnia during my interview because it's not relevant. <laughs> Like the question. Sorry for laughing, but it's no. true though. I it's mean, true. No, I, I, I. First of all, I have tremendous empathy. I'm, I would like to express empathy for you. I was laughing at the thought of yeah. someone bringing, bringing it up. that up It'd in their interview. It'd be crazy. Inter- It'd be crazy. It'd be like, okay, are you going to make it to the meeting on time? Oh, always. I always make it to the meeting on time, even if forty minutes asleep. Great. We don't care then. Like, and and I think this all gets muddled. It all gets muddled because companies are coming at job seekers. And I want to share the blame here because companies are coming at job seekers saying, we're a family. We care about you. We care about Mm -hmm. mental health. We want to give you resources. And if you're going to say we're family 
And then you're going to treat me like trash if I'm having a bad day. Like my family won't fire me for having a hard time, right? Family is supposed to be there through thick and thin, supposed to, right? Not everyone's families are perfect. But like, if you're going to say you're a family, you better live up to that promise. But they don't. Companies don't. And this is where I think people get confused because they're like, well, the company said we're family, but then they just fired John. And it's like... Yeah, because you're not really family. They're paying you to be around. You don't pay your family to hang out with you. And this is this is what's so confusing, I think, to younger people, because it's like these mixed messages that don't make any sense. It's like, we're family and we care and we have empathy. We laid you off because the budget changed. It's like, what? And I think that that's really a struggle for folks. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, that totally resonates. And I think it makes so much sense. Having said that, I think that's why this conversation is so important. Because when you are interviewing for a job, you want to be presenting your best self. This is not a time to lift the curtain Mm -hmm. on your mental wellness issues. And frankly, it is none of their business. Zero. Whether you're bipolar, whether you are thinking about transitioning, any of this, it is none of their business. But by the same token, if you accept that job offer, it is your personal business to take care of your mental health, your mental wellness outside of work hours. It is not your boss's problem. And if you are having a really, really bad day, then take a PTO day. Take that personal day. If you're having a bad week, I'm sorry, I really am. Human to human, I feel your pain. I'll tell you, real story. In 2011, so 10 years ago, no, I'm sorry, 2010, 11 years ago, Memorial Day weekend, my 40-year-old brother died of an overdose. I was working. I, it was Memorial Day weekend. I, of course, communicated with my supervisor. He told me very empathically that I could take as much time as I needed. Mm -hmm. I took two weeks, which probably wasn't enough. I came back to work and I remember not being prepared for people to come up to me and express their condolences. And I found myself like bawling, you know, in the middle of the hallway when people, cause I'd be in work headspace and somebody would come up to me who hadn't seen me and express their condolences. And like, I would lose it. Right. All Understandably right. Understandably so. I, You know, I I have been through shit on the job, but I, I did my best 
to perform. And, may, and I did a lot of compartmentalizing and it got easier as time went on. But like, we all have shit going on, my friends. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I think what happened to me was probably ranks up there as one of the worst things that could happen. Right. And I say that to you. So please take time off if you're really dealing with something deep, but otherwise it's incumbent on you to compartmentalize and show up to the best of your ability. And this is where it's personal responsibility, right? And like, I really appreciate you sharing that story because it's a difficult one. And I think so many people have been in similar situations in some way, shape or form similar to that, right? And hopefully you're at a company that's empathetic to it. Hopefully you're at a company that can understand, but not everyone is. And sometimes companies don't support people enough. And those are the toxic work environments that we need to get out of. And so there is a level at which, you know, compartmentalizing is very healthy and compartmentalizing is good to continue moving forward, right? If you're in customer service and you're just always having a bad day and treating customers poorly, you're not going to have that job very long, but you don't want to compartmentalize to the point that you disassociate. And I think that that's where it's an issue. Right. And so like, we have to realize that there's like a really big gray area in here. And part of it is us communicating up. Part of it is companies being more empathetic. Part of it is, I mean, the whole thing is a relationship or it's supposed to be. And I think where things are getting really tense right now is just like, it almost feels like job seekers and employees are in a camp and business owners and managers are in a camp and they're almost like warring with each other at times where Mm. neither side is listening. And employees are like, I need help with these things so that I can manage my life. And we've seen plenty of examples of people whose lives go off the rails because of work, right? And we don't want that to happen to people. But at the same time, your life can't be so distracting to the business that the business can't make any money, right? And that is where the balance needs to fall. And so I think everything you're talking about here is so important because at the end of the day, we're going to have to come back to communication, communicating priorities, communicating expectations, communicating needs, communicating when breaks are needed. And if you're communicating well, they can trust you more and then they can give you grace in the times where things get tough. I think the problem is is that we don't build the trust ahead of time. So when things go wrong, it's already starting from a place of tension. And that's what's really difficult for folks. Um, Are there any just sort of like, what, what would you say like the biggest communication learnings you've had throughout your career are? Maybe like one or two of the biggest things that you've learned that you think would be really helpful for someone just starting out? Don't put it in an email. (laughs) If you're feeling frustrated, angry, don't put it in an email. And be careful when you CC people because I have had experiences where I wasn't really paying attention. I was... Maybe my mind was distracted. And instead of sending the email to the intended person, 
I sent the email in which I was venting about said person to them. Oh my goodness. So please, if you're frustrated, um, upset, angry, don't put it in writing. Call maybe that trusted colleague or friend or whomever it is and talk with them on the phone or grab a coffee or a drink or whatever the case may be to talk about that in person Mm -hmm. (laughs) because oh my gosh you want to talk about the world wanting the world the earth to open up and swallow you that is one of those opportunities and then you are you are screwed when you put that in writing and that person sees it so and emails can be forwarded even if it does get to the correct person you can have colleagues maybe be duplicitous (laughs) And forward your email or share the contents of your email verbally with someone else. I mean, so it's just best to keep it out of writing. Don't put it out there. I love that. I actually, back in one of my first jobs, I used to have a thing called venting coffees with a friend that I worked with. And whenever we were having a bad day or we just had a bad meeting with a manager or something, uh, we'd walk past the other person's desk and do this. And that meant <laughs> what we gotta, was that? Which yeah, finger? It would it would have oh, a drink. Oh, this. Yeah, okay. Just have a drink. <laughs> and so we would literally go down to like the coffee shop, grab a coffee, and walk around campus, just get everything out of our head so that we could go back to the desk and work. And that was actually one of my friends who um I really appreciate to this day because um this is again listening to people and having people you can trust and talk to because uh, to your point earlier about complaining, like you can't just complain, you have to have solutions. And I remember one day he goes, man, you either got to stop complaining or you got to quit your job. Either way, something's got to happen because I ain't putting up with this anymore. And it was like, learn to stop complaining, learn to accept your situation or change your situation or we're not hanging out. And I was like, damn, I needed that. I needed someone to tell me I complained too much so that I could start making active changes in my life. And I think once you realize that, you will lose things. You will lose jobs. You will lose people. If you don't find a way to actually be relational, like to to really build relationships, because that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about gaming communication. We're talking about building relationships. And at the end of the day, yeah, go go ahead. Exactly. And my last point to just to um, kind of riff off what you were saying mm-hmm. there, Martin, is do more listening than talking. Watch the way that the more senior people in the office run a meeting. Listen to the questions they ask. Write them down. Observe. Save emails. Watch other colleagues, maybe your peers. Learn from them. There is so much that you're going to pick up in the ether. And I recognize now so much is still virtual, but even during virtual meetings, you can learn a lot by listening. 
pay attention. I love it. Andrea, how can folks find you and find more of what you've got going on? I would love it if they would come to my homepage on LinkedIn and follow me and interact with my content. I post pretty much at least once a day, sometimes three times a day on careers and life and little things I've picked up in my journey on this uh, planet Earth. Uh, I also have a podcast, as I mentioned, Time, the number four coffee. These are virtual networking coffees that I've had with hundreds of professionals in dozens of industries. You can check it out at time, the number four coffee.org. You can search episodes on the homepage. You can search them by industry. If you're interested in signing up for a free career discovery chat with me, there's a tab on the Time for Coffee website where you can do that. You know, I, I'm around. <laughs> well, go check it out, everyone. And Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it was my pleasure, Martin. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. I really appreciate your support of what we're building here at Career Therapy as we continue to try and explore the hidden side of modern work and tell some of the stories that maybe don't get enough light shed on them. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, I hope you will leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to this wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube, Spotify, etc. And uh, share this with some friends who you know are going through similar experiences and looking to build their career and, and gain some insights along the way. Again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I wish you the best. I'll see you on the next episode.